Partygate in the UK. Boris Johnson, the BBC, and the art of distraction. Two more reporters killed in Mexico. There's no more dangerous place to do journalism. And lifting the darkness one newscast at a time. The South Korean radio station beaming into North Korea. Hello, I'm Richard Gisbert, and you're at The Listening Post, where we don't cover the news, we cover the way the news is covered. In Boris Johnson's defense, he does say that nobody told him he was breaking the rules, the ones that he'd set and told everyone else to follow. The British Prime Minister has been brutally exposed in news reports, annihilated on social media, over the most rank hypocrisy. Wine-fueled parties at 10 Downing Street mid-pandemic when the rest of the country was locked down. Johnson knows his job is on the line. His response, what his party calls Operation Red Meat, a diversionary escape plan, a collection of right-wing policies designed to shore up the support of his base. Top of the list, taking aim at the BBC through a plan that would freeze its funding. The Prime Minister's backers are no fans of the UK's public broadcaster because, they say, it leans to the left. But the BBC is far more balanced than they ever give it credit for. Simply put, it has to be, because the regulations demand it. Our starting point this week is London. Some breaking news uh, regarding a party that uh, allegedly took place in the Downing Street Garden. A steady stream of stories from the darkest days of the pandemic, when everyone in the United Kingdom was supposed to be following the lockdown rules including the Queen, mourning the loss of her husband alone. Boris Johnson, facing huge political pressure, has admitted that he was at a party in Downing Street during the first lockdown in May 2020. It turns out that the Prime Minister and his staff were throwing party after party, bring your own booze fests, breaking their own rules. At the time of the Downing Street drinks, you could only meet one person outside of your household, outdoors, in a public place. I think the current allegations, the reason why they've really resonated with so many people is because of their emotional impact. People who couldn't see relatives, that missed significant events in their life, it personally resonated in a way that political stories don't resonate. I do know how infuriating it must be uh, for people up and down the country in view of the, the huge sacrifices that people have, have made uh, to think that uh, that didn't happen in, in number 10 Downing Street. Hypocrisy is the greatest crime in politics and you know, the idea that there was one rule for us and one rule for them just rankles. The rule makers cannot be the rule breakers. Nobody said to me this is an event that is against the rules, uh, that is in breach of uh, what we're asking everybody else to do uh, should not go ahead. And life is not going tremendously well in Britain at the moment. People are really, really struggling now, and they were struggling during the entire pandemic. So finding out that basically those people in number 10 uh, were partying the night away again and again has made people absolutely furious. Boris Johnson knows there is no defending this, so he's opted to distract by turning attention to another British institution, the BBC, and freezing its license fee. The Beeb, as the British call it, is a publicly funded broadcaster, which is not the same as state-funded. 
State-funded outlets get their money directly from governments. In the UK, all households using BBC services, TV and online, pay a license fee of £159, about 215 US dollars a year. The government's decision to freeze the license fee and put the BBC's future funding, quote, up for discussion, unquote, affects a news organization that conservatives like Johnson constantly accuse of leaning editorially to the left. Financially, it would be ruinous to the BBC, really. Uh, e the, the, the freeze uh, that has already been announced is going to be extremely damaging. It's effectively a real terms £2 billion cut. So services are already going to have to go. Coverage is already going to have to go. I'm not against the debate around how the BBC is funded, but it is a bad faith debate on the on the behalf of the Tory party. Nadine Doris, uh, the culture secretary, stood in Parliament and said, oh, we, you know, we're just we're just asking questions, uh, which is, you know, obviously untrue. But it served to distract, diverting attention away from the hypocrisy at 10 Downing Street and onto the BBC, a longtime target of conservative newspapers that have Johnson's back, although Partygate has seen a few of them stick the knife in. 70% of the papers sold in the UK lean to the right. They're self-regulated, but act like they're unregulated. Unlike broadcasters like the BBC, ITV, Sky News, all of which must follow certain rules on fairness and balance. And for the BBC to come under attack now, when other news outlets broke the stories about the parties at Downing Street, is telling. When the government says, oh, the BBC has been particularly attacking Boris Johnson, it's a, it's a farcical claim. As a senior BBC reporter said to me recently, uh, we've broken none of these stories. The Prime Minister's principal private secretary. ITV broke the stories. Uh, the Mirror broke the stories. All the BBC has done is report these stories, and in a fairly straight manner. The BBC does some excellent work on then following up these revelations with regards to interviews and putting them in context and some excellent journalism. But in terms of actually breaking the stories, the BBC has very rarely been at the forefront of that. So I think it would be wrong to characterise the BBC as leading the charge. There was a time, and it's not so many years ago, that the BBC's news output was a little bit staid, quite safe in its approach, less controversial. Now, many people would argue a return to those days would be a bad thing. But I think it would be doing itself a favour if it stepped back a little from chasing every scandal and reverted to a previous form of BBC journalism, which was more safe, but it protected the BBC, and this is important. The BBC has plenty of things that need fixing. Its news division remains disproportionately white, upper class, Oxbridge educated, and eaten tongued particularly in senior positions, people who look and sound like the Prime Minister. The Beeb's taken steps to diversify and still has miles to go. But there is no arguing with the quality of some of the content. News coverage, wildlife documentaries, dramas, comedies, music programming can be world-class. All delivered for the price of a license fee, roughly 60 cents US per day. 
and it must pain Boris Johnson to know, as he does, that the BBC has had a much better pandemic than he has. One thing that was especially fascinating during the lockdowns was um, the BBC, I think, showing itself to be so much more than a news channel. All my friends who have children, they had to homeschool those children uh, during the lockdown. The BBC showed um, you know, educational programming every day and that snapped into action extremely quickly when the first lockdown was announced. Um, and, you know, and these are parents who could not have done their job, they could not have homeschooled their children properly had it not been for the BBC. The news programmes on the BBC had a huge uptick in, in viewership and listenership during the most difficult period of the pandemic. As another 861 people lose their lives. Obviously the BBC is still a place that a bulk of the British population turned to at times of great crisis. And I think the BBC did quite well in, in, in promoting itself and saying, look at these things we've done. By going after the BBC, Boris Johnson is pitting his reputation, that of a serial liar, a lockdown partier, against that of a news organization entering its 100th year of existence. It should be no contest. And it's just one of Johnson's diversionary tactics. He's also called in the military to stem the flow of migrants at sea, which is more of a trickle. It's all tailor-made for his right-wing base, a critical part of which are the tabloids and newspapers that once employed Johnson as a journalist and later helped deliver him to 10 Downing Street. Some of those papers are now edging away from him, which is a bad sign for Boris Johnson and a good one for the BBC. And so I do think that Boris Johnson will probably have to get a taste of his own medicine eventually. And when newspapers especially realise that, you know, the future no longer lies with him, then that support will stop. Because newspaper editors and, you know, senior columnists, etc., fundamentally want to be in the room where it happens, want to be close to power. If the power is slipping away from him, he will lose that support quite as quickly, I think, as he gained, him, uh, gained it in the first place. So if Johnson goes, if there is a new prime minister, and with it a whole raft of new ministers, then who's to say what their attitude towards a continuation of the war with the BBC will be? My own guess is that in that circumstance, a new administration under a new man or woman would have plenty of other fights to fight without picking what is an optional fight with the BBC. Mexico is on our radar this week. Reporting on drug cartels and political corruption there is one of the most dangerous beats in journalism. Flo Phillips is here with the story of two more reporters no longer with us. Thanks, Richard. Margarito Martinez Esquivel and Jose Luis Gamboa. Those are the names of the two journalists who lost their lives in the space of just one week in Mexico. Martinez, shot dead outside his home in Tijuana, was a crime reporter and photographer for both national and international outlets, covering the gang violence that scars that city. Gamboa, a journalist covering anti-corruption and drug violence, was fatally stabbed in Veracruz, another of Mexico's most violent regions. Gamboa was the director of an independent online news outlet, Inforegio, where he had recently published a series of articles exposing alleged links between a local cartel, the CJNG, and regional political players. The series highlighted how Veracruz has become a hub for the trafficking of fentanyl to the United States, and how the authorities there seem to look the other way. 
He was vocal well beyond his reporting with a steady stream of material on social media. He posted this tweet just days before he died. Mexico needs a drug czar who has a strategy and a policy in place to prevent violence of the magnitude we've witnessed for 35 years, given there's a risk institutions don't suffice when it comes to preventing crimes in this country. Fellow journalists have come out in solidarity, demanding that the country prioritise the investigations of these killings. Over the past 20 years, 145 media workers have been murdered in Mexico. 90% of those cases, 90% have produced no convictions because of what human rights groups call inept investigations, a lack of political will and collusion between drug cartels and the government. In December 2018, President Andre Manuel López Obrador took power promising to crack down. Porque se acabará con la corrupción y con la impunidad que impiden el renacimiento de México. It's been three years since then, and Mexico remains the world's deadliest country for reporters. Thanks, Flo. North Korea is a black hole for news, one of, if not the most, tightly controlled information spaces anywhere. But there are cracks here and there. Content from the outside world, news and entertainment, is finding its way to North Korean audiences, either smuggled in on USB sticks or beamed in by radio stations on the outside. One such broadcaster is UMG Radio. It's based in South Korea and says it's on a mission to inform North Koreans about the realities of life inside and outside their country. The thing is, UMG doesn't really know how many people are listening. There's no way to tell. But North Koreans who have managed to escape south say that the station is making a difference. And that's what UMG's journalists say keeps them going, despite their work putting a target on their backs. The Listening Post's Johanna Hoos now from Seoul on the radio station broadcasting into a country whose people are kept in the dark. Broadcasting to an audience they have never really heard from, let alone met. Hour after hour, day after day. That's the job of the voices at UMG, Unification Media Group Radio. The station, based in South Korea, transmits into North Korea, one of the most sealed-off countries in the world. North Korea's society is completely blocked from the outside world. People cannot see or hear anything other than the information provided by the North Korean authorities, which serves to idolize the supreme leader and praise communism. We aim to challenge those narratives with news, entertainment and educational content about democracy and human rights. Information changes people's mindsets. Without knowledge of the outside world, North Koreans would never dream of escaping. It gives hope and plays a vital role in encouraging those who are desperate to leave North Korea to start a new life. While most broadcasters thrive on ratings, UMG has no data on who or how many are tuning in. The little information the station has about its audiences in the North 
comes from those who have managed to escape. Yung Chol Lee is one of the 33,000 North Koreans who fled and settled in the South. He is a defector turned broadcaster, one of several currently working in Yumji's newsroom. He knows the story on both sides of the border. The majority of the presenters and guests on our broadcasts are North Korean defectors who now live in the South. We share our experiences and talk freely about the pros and cons of escaping. As North Koreans have lived under dictatorship for 70 years now, listeners of our shows will soon realize that they would be better off in the outside world. Knowing that there are countries that are better than North Korea motivated me to escape and I believe our broadcasts can help other North Koreans to pursue better lives. Organizations like UMG, uh, their goal is to provide the truth about the world in which North Koreans live so that they can be empowered to try to be the authors of their own future for the first time. This country has really tried to institute a, um, an information vacuum for its people. However, there have been uh, cracks in the system, if you will, over the past two to three decades. More and more foreign information, so in other words, unauthorized information, has been making its way into North Korea for North Korean citizens to consume. UMG Radio relies on shortwave transmitters to beam news from their studio in Seoul into North Korea across this border, one of the most heavily militarized in the world. But getting information out of North Korea is far more challenging than broadcasting it back in. The station relies on a network of undercover informants, North Koreans who, at great risk, feed information to their colleagues in the South. So these sources and informants inside North Korea, uh, of course, the information around that has to be very confidential. But we do know from the reporting that they come from different parts of the country. They operate at different levels of society. There are sources that have been in the military or in the government, as well as just, you know, kind of citizen uh, journalists that can report on what people are, are struggling with in their community and so on. But no matter where you are in North Korean society, you are risking your life. If the North Korean authorities find out that people have been sharing information, they can get punished. Yet there are a growing number of North Koreans who want to work with us. The information they provide is varied, from simple things like the price of rice or food shortages, to how they are managing COVID-19, or what the living conditions are like for North Koreans. We also receive news about the private lives of high-ranking officials. We always check this information with several sources. As a result, we can cross-reference to make sure that the news is trustworthy enough to be transmitted back into North Korea. Not only are North Koreans blocked from what's going on outside their country, but most of them are blocked from what's happening inside their country, outside of their immediate hometowns or regions. So if it weren't for foreign entities or foreign news organizations or NGOs or activists that push information about North Korea into North Korea, citizens, they would not have any real news about what is happening inside the country. 
it's not just radio broadcasts or news. Other foreign media are making their way into North Korea as well. There's entertainment programming like K-dramas or music in the form of K-pop that is being smuggled in on USB sticks and then disseminated on the black markets. There's also leaflets that are thrown across the border in hot air balloons dropped from the sky containing messages urging North Koreans to defy the regime. The price to be paid by anyone caught either smuggling or consuming this kind of foreign media is extremely high. They can be fined, sent to prison camp or sentenced to anything up to and including death. It is very, very risky for North Korean citizens to listen to foreign radio and it's also somewhat technically difficult because the radio sets sold and that are legal in North Korea have to be set to just the government broadcast stations. However, if you take apart a radio and you play with it enough, it's not actually that difficult to tamper with that and to you know, change the frequency that you can listen to. The difficulty then is that you've tampered with it and if there's evidence of that or if you get caught, then you would be in a lot of trouble. I was talking to a North Korean escapee and he told me that when he was in North Korea, he somehow came across these foreign radio programs uh, based out of South Korea and he became addicted. And the way he described it, it sounded like he was having an affair, but he couldn't even tell his wife or his kids uh, because they could either turn him in or at the very least they can be implicated if he were to be found out. This is how sensitive consuming foreign information is and yet people still continue to do it inside North Korea. The Kim Jong-un regime isn't just going after UMG's listeners and informants in the North. Its journalists in Seoul are targets as well. North Korean intelligence services regularly try to jam its signal or intimidate its reporters. Lee Kwang-bak gets at least five hacking emails per month. But despite the pressure, the station keeps going, in the hope that information and knowledge can be a precursor to change. I believe that change in North Korea is already taking place rapidly. There are cracks in the communist economic system. However, that in itself is insufficient. North Korea is completely isolated, so sending in information is crucial. I'm not sure it's enough to liberate North Korea, but it's an important tool to support change. The North Korean regime is predicated on the citizens living in a reality uh, that the North Korean government has created for them. And so anything that undermines the North Korean government's history, state narrative, it's the Achilles heel of uh, the regime. So sending information into North Korea is really key to try to change the society from within. And finally, back to Boris Johnson and those BYOB parties at Downing Street, one of which invited around 100 people to raise a glass to the UK's first COVID lockdown. With the Prime Minister hanging on to his job by a thread, demands for his resignation coming from all sides, including his own party, the knives are out on social media. We'll leave you now with a music video posted by British comedian Munya Chawawa. At more than half a million views and counting, it captures the story. We'll see you next time here at the Listening Post. I
was in the garden with my Tories Tryna sip a little beer It was BYOB Had a case of Corona all three A couple MPs grinding up on me But you couldn't go to funerals Or CNN when she was lonely That's what I call hypocrisy It was just a quick baby Breaking the rules But I swear we didn't know Just to work a vet with my bros And a little mellow Rose and some sherry a couple lines and talking let her flow And now everyone knows There was a part in our world there, there. It was a lockdown Never thought they'd get me They're trying to kick me out Like the royal family On the dance floor decorating me Next thing I knew Keep